Welcome to the Canine Conservationists podcast, where we're positively obsessed with conservation detection dogs. Join us every week to discuss ecology, odor dynamics, dog behavior, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I run Canine Conservationists along with my co-founders, where we train dogs to detect data for researchers, agencies, and NGOs. Today, I have the joy of talking to Gregory Heron from the Get Scent Tubes, um, from, from Get Scent, about the Get Scent Tubes. So Greg has an academic background con- combining science, ECPM Strasbourg, and business from HEC Paris. After 10 years of working for international companies designing best customer fit products, the time was right to shape Greg's vision, which is to design a unique innovation enabling disease detection, population safety, and environmental protection. And that is what they strive for every day with GetScent. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Greg. Hello. So I am really excited to get to this interview, but before we dive into it, we're going to get into our science highlight, which is non-invasive identification of herpetofauna pairing conservation dogs with genetic analysis by Stratham et al., which was published in the Journal of Wildlife Management in 2020. The goal of the study was to explore the viability of pairing conservation detection dog ser- searches and non-invasive genetic analysis to gather information on blunt-nosed leopard lizard presence within an area of documented or potential occurrence. Um, and it's important to note that these blunt-nosed leopard lizards are a federally listed endangered species. More specifically, the study aimed to recover sa- scat samples and then subsequently um, recover DNA from those samples, and then develop tools to genetically discriminate between the scouts of the target and sympatric lizards, so other lizards that were similar and in the same area, but not the target lizard. This study is a really interesting example of successful successful molecular scatology techniques. Dog handler teams from Working Dogs for Conservation collected 327 scat samples across four years of surveys. During the 2014 to 2016 seasons, they identified 93.3% of the successfully typed samples as being from the target species, again, blood-nosed leopard lizard. However, in 2017, 57% of the samples were from the target species, and 35% were from the western whiptail lizard. They, the authors suggest that this difference is because the 2014 to 2016 surveys were only connect, conducted in the Panoche Plateau, where western whiptail lizards are absent or at very low densities. However, in 2017, their study area added the Elkhorn Plain, where western whiptail lizards occurred at a higher density. So basically, when there are more western whiptail lizards, they collect more western whiptail lizards as a non-target species, um, which makes a lot of sense. One of the things that we noted um, as we were kind of reading the study was that the detection distance was really small. So they're talking kind of zero to two meters on average and up to five to six meters. Um, So the handlers were actually directing the dogs to search for scats around perimeters of shrubs um, within designated open microsites and along unpaved roads. On average, they searched about 35 shrubs or microsites or a linear distance of 1.5 to 2 kilometers along the roads, which in within about one to two hours a day. So this study showed an example of non-target issues where the dogs were detecting scat from a non-target species, and because the handlers can't tell the difference, they were likely erroneously reinforcing the wrong scent repertoire along with the correct one. One other limitation we noted with this study was that the small de- was the small detection distance. And to quote the authors, they said, for the presence-absence objective central to regulatory monitoring, the entirety of a defined area, regardless of shrub presence or density, needs to be surveyed. And to continue the quote, additional research will will be necessary to determine if grid searching for the scat of blunt-nosed leopard lizard is indeed a feasible and viable application of conservation dogs relative to the criteria required for regulatory monitoring. Um, And I love this study because I always 
I always really enjoy kind of finding and picking at these areas where, um, you know, conservation dogs kind of succeeded within a pilot study or within, this is obviously much more of than a pilot study. It was, you know, three years long, but potentially for this, this larger goal of presence absence monitoring, the dogs may or may not be the best fit. So without further ado, um, we will get Greg back on and ask him what exactly is a get sent tube for anyone who has not heard of them yet. So a GetSend tube is a product, like a training ad, that you can use uh, to catch uh, and capture any odors. And once your door is captured, the odor is released and you can use to train your dog. Okay. So how and why did GetSend develop them? You know, in your bio, it's, it sounds like you're an inventor, you're a tinker, you've got big dreams, but, you know... You've said yourself you're not a dog guy. So where where did this come to? You? How did this come to you? You know, I I I, I would like to say by chance uh, I met uh -huh. some dog trainers. Uh, uh -huh. So um, yeah, we we met some dog trainers with with my my friend Quentin, and uh, and they started to to explain to us that they use cotton gauze uh, to to capture odors, but it was a big fail. Uh, it was difficult for the dog to to learn the odor. It was difficult, you know. They noticed a lot of hesitation for the dogs, and you know, they, they said to us, "Yeah, I would like to 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 get something to catch an odor, like an odor sponge that I can use everywhere without any restriction." Mm -hmm. And we say, "Yes, we, we can make it for you." <laughs> and we started like yeah. that, you know. And we had our idea to use like uh, what we call copolymer block technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the big deal was to select the right blocks, and and we spend a few years in research and development, and uh, and yeah, and after that we 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 got our first patent, so it was gotcha. back in 2018. Okay, yeah. So you're only you're only like four years old as a company. Yeah, That's we we are a brand new company, and uh, yeah, we we are new in the field, and we we are yes, as I said, we are not dog specialists, so we are learning every day with you guys uh, on the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we today we we are learning. So it's uh, we are on the learning curve. We also learn with new applications because today we have new applications uh, coming every day, uh, especially in the world of conservation, where it's mm -hmm. uh, there is many many different type of uh, species, plants. So it's uh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know. I like we'll talk about this later in the show, but just I mean, especially in conservation, but also realistically for human remains detection, for law enforcement, like there's so many times where, you know, compared to like a competitive scent work person, it is so hard for us to acquire, store, transport our odors. Um, and there's often a lot of either practical or legal issues involved. So mm -hmm. I know that's been a, a huge component of why I've been enjoying using the GetScent tubes. Yeah, um, it, it's true because your order is really complex. And also yeah. it's sometimes it's protected with, uh, with mm -hmm. you cannot go everywhere with, with some species. Sometimes it's invasive. So yeah, it's really, really difficult. But yeah, I, I keep saying that, you know, what you are doing in conservation it's it's the most uh, complex discipline because it's really a complex odor. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it. I mean, I don't know enough about the um, the molecular side of things to to say that our stuff is the most complex. But uh, you know, it kind of inherently makes a lot of sense to me that we have these very complex. You know, it's organic chemistry um, mm -hmm. that you know, just varies so much. And it's something we talk about on the dog side. And I can imagine that makes, 
you know, these tubes are really interesting. And, you know, so for anyone who hasn't yet seen these Get Sent tubes, um, Greg, can you kind of describe what they look like? Um, and, uh, you know... So, yeah, like, to, to today, yeah, is a, is a, the, like the, shape, the shape is like a, a tube. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we design like a tube because when you place the tube on the surface, you limit the interaction between the tube and the surface. Um, you know, it's, it was a way because... You know that in your field, you are so careful about uh, the pollution, the contamination. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the beginning, when we started to say, okay, let's design the tube. Uh, finally, we noticed that we, we don't have any contamination due to um, the mo molecular structure of the product. But, yeah, it was a way to limit, limit the interaction and also to optimize the exchange with the outside. So if you look at the tube, oh, you have uh -huh. a, a surface the, the uh, outer surface and the inner surface. So you have twice, twice more exchange uh, with, uh, with the, the environment. So this is in order to improve the release as well. Okay. Yeah. And this is actually, this is a question I was planning on asking you, but it is now kind of making sense to me. So are your polymer blocks on the inside? Is it like different chemically on the inside of the tube than the outside? So like the outside is more of a surface thing or is it all the it same? It's all the same, but okay. you, you have uh, uh, two phenomena uh, mm -hmm. who will work when, when you, you, you catch molecules. So the first thing, the molecule will be adsorbed uh, at the surface, and then it will be absorbed inside. So it's two concepts, it's adsorption okay. and absorption. So one is with a D and the other one with a B. So it's, uh, oh, it's two phenomena. Oh, so yeah, uh -huh. so the adsorption is what you get on the surface. Uh, most of the time when you use cotton gauze, uh, it's uh, adsorption. The molecules uh, will stay at the surface. So it means if you wash uh, the cotton gauze, you won't mm -hmm. get any molecules uh, inside the material anymore or on the surface of the material. Mm -hmm. So in our case, you go outside, you, you the, the tube has some dust on it or some mud and some that. You can clean the tube. So you, you, you use tap water, you clean the tube, and you can still use uh, use it again because the molecules are inside, inside the material. So it's what we call wow, absorption. Okay. okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to try this with my dogs now. Not because I don't believe you, but just because like, I have to see it. That's do it, so neat. Do it, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll video it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I, we, I think you've already kind of hinted at this question, but I've got a Patreon question from Taylor who's asking if there's a specific scent that these tubes are geared towards. Uh, we, we have developed what we use was a, the technology, what we call um, copolymer block technology, and we designed the blocks uh, to catch any type of chemistry. So okay. today there is no limitation uh, on the design and also based on the feedback that we are collecting every day, uh, we don't have any limitations. So yeah, we, I cannot say it's, it, it has been designed to catch everything. So not, uh, not to yeah. be limited. And it's what yeah. we, we notice yes. every day. You know, sometimes you, you, you design something in the lab and after when you go, uh, on the field, it can be different, but in our case, it's one, one. So we have the same, uh, results. Yeah, well, and that kind of makes sense because what you've described, it's not like, 
you know, when I imagine thinking back to like my neuro, my neuroscience classes or something where you're thinking about, you've got these neurotransmitters that are specifically designed to accept dopamine and then they can get hijacked by a drug or something. So this isn't that, this is more, it, it allows for that adsorption and absorption of basically any size of odor molecule exactly. and it's not it's not specifically um shaped in a way to accept and then hold on to like a specific voc related to marijuana or something like that exactly so it has been designed okay. for okay. all molecules okay you know because yeah, that... you know our product is used in many different fields it's used mm -hmm. for defense application like narcotics explosives but also in conservation where you have a, a big uh, i would say a, a mm -hmm. lot of molecules so in your case you need we have to catch everything yeah mm -hmm. okay and then what is the longevity of the tube like like from the moment that i well we can talk about actually from the moment that i open and unseal the bag do i kind of have a tipping ticking time bug with the bag with the tubes left in the bag so w when you open your bag, you, you mean once impregnated or uh, when no, you open the... No, the, just the ones that are still inside. Let's start with those. Um, so like I've got a bag one. of 50, I've taken two okay, out yeah. and then I've resealed it. Are the ones in there good for five years? I guess we may so not know. When um, the bag is new, you, you can you can keep it two years. And, okay. uh, and at the end of two years, uh, you can send us free tubes and we can validate to extend the shelf life. So, for okay. example, we, we have people that are buying uh, 1,000 tubes at once. So, you know, mm -hmm. with such quantity, you know, if you want to keep it three years, four years, we are doing this kind of service to extend the shelf life. But normally, okay. it's two years. So, when it's okay. new. Once you use it, you can use it during mm -hmm. six months. Um, it's in average. Because based on the data that we have, uh, we know that we can do it uh, much more depending on the odor, depending on the way to impregnate, depending on the training condition. But what we can, we would like to, to guarantee to our users is that they can use it during six months. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But and then after the uh, 24 oh, hours of impregnation, sorry. So you, you need okay. to impregnate the yeah. tube 24 hours at least. Okay. Yeah, if you only impregnate it for, say, an hour... Would it still be good for six months and just at that no, much lower no, level? No. Or, okay, One yeah. hour, uh, we have some data that it can't last. I, it depends, you know, but uh, several weeks. Um, but okay. it depends on how you train and uh, how many how many hours mm -hmm. you train. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. And then the last question from Taylor was whether there were any kind of fun, interesting science or stories from the actual product development phase. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I don't have any fun, uh, fun, fun stories uh, about the tubes. You know, it was uh, hard work, a long, uh, long development. Um, what I can say, and you know, some people they imagine that the most complex things is to to design uh, the, the polymer and design the material, but the most complex things is to produce uh, a, a product without any odor inside. So mm -hmm. it was our big challenge. Um, it's why we spend most of our time in research and development is to, us to, to make it, you know, without any odor for you. Because when you, you have a product uh, with odor inside, it's really difficult to offset this odor during uh, right. your training. So it's why we wanted to, to bring it the, 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 the cleanest uh, product as possible. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we, we, we did it, but it was a long, long, long road. <laughs> 
yeah yeah that that makes sense yeah no no today's produce like uh, like um, mm-hmm. uh, medicines so we produce the tube in medicine like you how you produce medicines is really the, the the same process and on top we we have what we call a, a cleaning process that we are doing in-house uh that takes uh several days so yeah wow yeah yeah gosh how do you how do you validate that something is odorless uh, um, is that through mass spec or how is that yeah done? exactly so uh-huh. uh, all our all our bags uh, all our production all our batches they are analyzed with our uh, method on the mass spec so we use what we call uh, gas chromatography uh, mass spectroscopy okay. uh, equipment so we we run so we we see something flat and when it's flat we, we can ship so it's a uh, validation and you know some people will, will say yeah but dogs they are uh, a better uh, sense of smell so i agree with that uh, but yeah. today we don't have any equipment we don't have any dog to validate the production because it depends also on your know, the sensitivity threshold of the dog uh, yeah. but yeah this is the best way uh, to do it today uh what during the validation phase uh, we tested on 100 dogs uh, to check if someone what some dogs were alerting on the tube on the blank one and we mm-hmm. didn't notice uh, any uh, any marks or anything on, on the uh, during the, the training process and so it's why we we were confident to sell the product like that yeah yeah well and i know the first thing i did when i got my hands on them was put one out with owner one out with a non-target odor and one out with target odor and run both of my dogs through it and you know see what they did and both yeah. of them immediately went to the one with target odor and happily ignored the other two and i was like okay you know it's 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 not enough to publish a research paper on but you know it looked pretty yeah, good but to it's, me. It, yeah it gives an idea you know when you are a small company you cannot uh, always do like uh, research is like a yeah. big one with big university so you know, like a trial and error and to, to, to test it on the field, it's for me the best uh, answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. And then the next question we've got is, um, how do you ensure that the get sent tube collects the target odor and not other odors if it's out in the environment? Um so, for example, like if I've impregnated the tube with, uh, let's call, let's say bat, because that's that's the what I'm working on currently, and then I go and place it out in the environment for two hours before the search, does it now smell like bat plus Ace Hardware, or no, does it still no, just have bat but, yeah. going on? What what is that I, I, like? I, yeah, no, I would say we we did two things. First, by design. So by design, when once you impregnate the tube, the tube will start to release molecules. And these molecules, we kind of protect uh, uh, the tubes from the pollution from outside. But when the tube is new, the blank one, this one can be polluted really easily. It's why you okay. you have to pay attention when you use the blank tubes uh, to, to be quick when you do the impregnation, to when you manipulate the tube, to manipulate with gloves, with pliers, uh, and in, I would say, an odorless environment. This is key. But and as I said, by design, the tube is designed to avoid any uh, contamination once impregnated. And I like to take this analogy with an highway. When you drive on the on the highway, uh, we all go in the same direction. So molecules are the same. The molecules are going from the tube to the outside. So it's like on the highway, we go to in one direction. Mm-hmm. If the other molecules wants to to, to come in when you are on the highway, it's really difficult because all the cars are, are asked to, to go on the side. 
and and to to let uh, other car uh, one car coming from the other uh, other uh, direction. So it's why it's the same principle with the molecules. The molecules are kind of big, and they are protect they protect uh, the tubes from the pollution. This is okay. the design. And the other stuff we validated, uh, we have validated this one with uh, the GCMS. So what we did, we we impregnate the tube with tobacco and we went on site, and we we train, we we simulate like kind of training outside. And after mm -hmm. we checked again the tube on the GCMS to see if we noticed any uh, change in the in the odor profile. Okay. And after several training, we didn't notice any change. So it's how we validated the gates and tube. Okay, cool. Um, so next up, what what limitations do we need to be aware of with using get sent tubes? Like especially in the conservation world, um, is there anything that we need to be really aware of as far as how they're used that may be tricky for us? Yeah, for me, there are three points of attention. The first one is the blank tube manipulation. Uh, you know, you, you have to pay attention when you manipulate uh, the blank tube, especially when you are outside because it's, uh, it's a full of odor outside. Uh, so you have to be fast when you put your tube um, close to the target odor. So this is a way to manipulate. You cannot stay uh, outside with your pliers, the tube in the pliers, and to discuss with other trainers to discuss about how I can place the tube. You open the tube, you put it in the in close to the target order. This is really key uh, to pay attention. The, the other point of attention is the impregnation settings. Um, what we noticed uh, most of the time uh, that the people are not uh, using the right setting. I would say the right container in terms of material, uh, the the right also the way how the container is closed. The volume of the container as well is really important. So this is key. Um, but, you know, we are always uh, welcome to discuss with our users mm -hmm. to design the right impregnation settings. And uh, and the third point, you know, is the way um, of the tube is impregnated. Uh, the time. The time is key. Because when your dog is used to work on a certain concentration, if you change this concentration, the dog will notice it. So it means you will notice a change of behavior. So it's why you need to adjust. If you want to replicate exactly the same amount of odor than the, than the dog were trained before, you need to, to pay attention to, to this time. In average, after one day, you get the same amount of odor. But for some, okay. uh, you need to get to go to two days or, uh, or even or 26 hours. You know, we, you need to adjust mm -hmm. it. And um, yeah. And this is key. Okay, yeah, and that makes sense. And that, I think, kind of comes back to some of the limitations that I was, you know, I was finding, and you and I were talking about during pre-interviews when I was talking to some other handlers who were struggling. You know, I, I it, it sounds like a lot of the problems, it's not necessarily a limitation of the chemistry of the tube. It's more sometimes this practical or pragmatic issue of, okay, how, if we're trying to use this with a live animal, how long can we realistically put that live animal in a really small container with, you know, and do these like ideal impregnation settings. Um, exactly. And that's, you know, that's, that's a good question and something we really need to be dealing with, but it's not so much that like chemically speaking, the tube is no, incapable yeah, exactly. of absorbing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, the tube, uh, try to replicate the same amount of odor than uh, the other source. 
So this is key. And we are not doing like uh, cotton goes where at the beginning we have a high uh, concentration and after very low. For us, mm-hmm. it's quite stable over time. And it's why if you don't reach uh, the right time of um, impregnation, you know, sometimes dogs uh, can str- struggle to, to find the tube or, or to, to mark the tube. But this is due to as a sensitivity threshold of the dog. It's why, for example, when you you work on, on the rare species, species like you cannot catch during uh, one hour, like you can catch only 20 minutes, you need to bring down uh, the sensitivity threshold of your dog before training your dog on this new odor if you can mm-hmm. only catch uh, this species during 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? Yeah, I think so. And I think this is actually the problem. When I first um, was introducing the get scent tubes to the dogs with action for cheetahs in Kenya, I think we actually um, impregnated the tubes for too long, which is probably a common mistake where you assume, oh, doing it for longer, how can it possibly be a bad idea? That sounds great, you know, more odor. Um, And in retrospect, it seems pretty clear that, of course, if the dogs are used to a certain threshold, they're that's what they're going to go for. And both of the dogs, you know, walked right over the tubes. Um, and we, we were able to kind of go back and, and rework it. Um, but it was probably actually that I had left the tubes in with the scat too, for, yeah, for too yeah, long. It's, when it's too long, it's the same, you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dr. Hall uh, uh, from the Texas Tech University did mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of uh, good research with his team uh, about uh, concentration and how the dog behaves. Uh, in front of different concentrations and yeah. and you know even if, if it's small or big you know the, the, you know dogs can detect uh, during um, from a certain range uh, but if it's outside the range it's really tough for the dog to to, to hit uh, the target so it's why uh, concentration is key so yeah i recommend the, all the audience to to read uh uh, those research is really interesting, and uh, so we we learned a lot with uh, with uh, his research, and also we are working with him, you know, to to understand mm-hmm. also um, you know the range of concentration we've get in tubes. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and you know, I, just thinking of an, an analogy, and I can't remember if we've done that paper as a science highlight on the show yet, or I know we've talked about it previously. Um, but what I was kind of thinking of as you're explaining this is, for example, here in the U.S., we have a lot of deer. Um, and I'm really used to seeing a white-tailed deer or a mule deer or even a black-tailed deer and saying, oh, my gosh, OK, there it is. There's a deer. And then when I first got to Kenya and I saw a dick-dick, which are significantly smaller than my dogs, um, you know, my first thought was, dick dick i knew what it was but i I didn't quite put it in the deer category until i kind of got used to the idea of seeing a deer that was that size and i can imagine for our dogs potentially odor is something similar it's kind of like they're used to something of a certain size or a certain criteria so even though morphologically a dick dick and a deer look really similarly and i can like recognize that i don't immediately think deer when i see dick dick until i get used to that and i had to get trained for it Yes, it's it's some analogy, yeah. Yeah. So when I was preparing this podcast and doing a little bit of research for some science highlights, I did come across a study that I did. I I wanted to talk to you about, um, and I know you've already heard a little bit about it. So it's from the uh, Morel thesis from University of Otago that said that their get sent tubes were unable to absorb and or emit consistent and measurable VOCs from the headspace of Lyopelma, which is a genus of frogs, as measured by their GCMS. So, and I know you and I had talked a little bit about about this, but um, 
again, I, I like it's not that I'm trying to do a gotcha for you or anything like that, but I wanted to. I, I felt like when I found that study, I couldn't do this interview without asking you about it. Yeah, first of all, we have to explain that this study uh, is not a peer review study. So it has been done uh, yeah. during a graduation program uh, by a student. So our team reviewed the study and we noticed uh, many shortcuts uh, that we cannot take uh, for us as a scientist. So uh -huh. yeah, those results are in opposition with what we, we found uh, in our labs, uh, but also uh, from the feedback that we got from our users. Um, it's why, you know, we have decided to publish our review. Uh, so soon it will be available uh, on our website. So in the meantime, mm -hmm. if someone wants to, to get it, uh, they can just uh, reach out to me. Um, now we are in touch with the university. We are in touch with uh, uh, the teachers of, um, mm -hmm. of the author, of the student. And uh, now we, we, they, they plan to redo the study because they, understand, they understood uh, our concerns. Um, and so it's, uh, it's what we, we are doing with them. So, cool, but okay. you know, this one was a lesson, uh, lesson learned for, for us, uh, because, uh, what we, we, we discussed previously, we, we have to, to share more data to our users. Uh, so, you know, in the past, we, we were a bit afraid because it's too scientific mm -hmm. and it's too many, uh, many, yeah. many things, too, too many, uh, hypotheses and so on. So we say, okay, now we, we, we have decided to redo our website and to, to create a, a page. Uh, dedicated to our research to to share all uh, the information. But uh, cool, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you know when you and I have talked about this paper a little bit as well. A lot of it comes back to the same stuff that we were talking about earlier in this episode, as far as you know the initial impregnation of the tubes and making sure that you're doing that well. And again, some of the challenges that do come up when you're using when you're trying to work with an endangered live animal. Um, so. Yeah, if you remember what I said before about, you know, the three point of, uh, points of attention, you will see if you read the study uh, from, the, from the student, um, from the student, you, you will see that, you know, it's, uh, you will see the blank manipulation of the, the blank tube manipulation, you will see the impregnation settings, and you will see the impregnation time and the dog sensitivity. You will see all this issue in one study, so, and, uh, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, so it's you know it's a, it's a good learning lesson for all of us to make sure we very carefully read the instructions, yeah. and um, yeah, if if something's not working, um, you know, kind of get curious about that rather than assuming that the dog is. And we we try it. We know if if something yeah. you know you, mm -hmm. you 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 don't understand you don't understand why the dog is behaving differently. You can send tubes to us. We can do GCMS. We can discuss. We, you know, just reach out. In this one, nobody yeah. reach out, and uh, you know, and now we have this paper uh, like that. So it's a bit sad yeah. for for everyone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, like I know when I was first in Kenya and struggling a little bit getting those dogs to work with um, get sent tubes. Uh, you know, I reached out to, I don't remember if it was you or if it was whoever runs your social media. And we, we it, you it know, got me, a couple tips. We, and, time, yeah, time, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got it, yeah, we got it sorted out. And those dogs are pretty happily using get sent tubes, which, and they're finding it particularly useful, not for the cheetahs, but actually for some of their off target species that they want to ensure the dogs maintain off of. Um, so particularly Caracol, because, um, there, when you get into the smaller cat species in Africa, those um, those cats are harder to find. There are fewer of them in rehab centers. Um, versus, you know, finding lion, leopard, and cheetah is pretty easy. So I think they're mostly using the get sent tubes now. Actually, 
not to not to train the dogs to find Cheetah, but to ensure that they're not finding Caracal. Listen, you and your dog are already canine conservationists by listening to the show, so go ahead and show it off. Join the club. Check out our brand new merch store, which is located at canineconservationists.org slash shop. It's stocked with stickers and magnets and bags and shirts. We're adding new designs all the time. If you're an artist wanting to collaborate, just we split profits and are eager to hear from you. Reach out at canineconservationists at gmail.com. We also offer all of our webinars on demand through our store. So you can check out our puppy raising webinar, alerts and changes of behavior, introducing a target odor, as well as seeking sourcing and alerting. We're also planning to add new webinars to this all the time. So if you've got a request for a webinar or you're a practitioner hoping to contribute a webinar, again, we're going to split our profits with you and you can reach out to us at canineconservationists at gmail.com. Let's keep the learning going. Yeah, and again, I think it seems like the biggest issues that a lot of us are having in the conservation dog field is just figuring out how, especially, again, it seems like a lot of the people who are struggling are either using these, uh, either working with these like ultra-endangered live animals or ultra-endangered live plants, where it's really hard to figure out how to get them into a small container in an ethical way and keep them there for long enough to properly impregnate these tubes. I was just talking to someone who's um, got a a project with um, a target that's primarily underground and live. And because it's so endangered, you can't dig it up. So, you know, and she and I were kind of brainstorming, like, okay, if we were going to use some get sent tubes, how would we do this? And I should, I should just give her your email. Maybe I already did. Um, (laughs) Because, uh, you know, I was like, I don't really know. I don't know if just putting it on top of the, the dirt above where it's, where this plant is would, do the trick or not and it can work but you you need because you can impregnate odors in open environment but it yeah. means that you won't collect the same amount of molecules that you uh-huh. can collect in the closed one so yeah. you know and it's why you need to adapt after your training to, uh-huh. ex- to explain i would say to your dog that it's a low concentration so it means yeah. that you need to bring down the sensitivity threshold uh, of your dog to to to, to mm-hmm. train on low concentration you know it's why it's not only Get and tube is a full training. We need to have a holistic approach to say before the training with the odor captured with a get and tube on open environment, we need to bring down uh, the, the okay. dog sensitivity threshold. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? Or? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And well, and I think part of the problem that they were running into is the get sent. And, and here's, here's a question that I wasn't planning on throwing at you. Have you had people use their get sent tubes for their initial training with the dog? Because I think that was kind of their plan is actually, so their their concern isn't so much that the dog is starting at level A and they need to bring them down to level B in order to use the tubes. It's that the tubes are going to be step one. And then hopefully they can take the dog out into the real environment and kind of they have a couple confirmed locations where they could then reward the dog and help the dog transition from the tubes to the real environment, but it's still going to be a limited and kind of arduous uh, journey, which is not, again, not uncommon in the conservation world where, you know, if I, if I want to train one of my dogs to work on cheetah for next time I go to Kenya, my dogs aren't, obviously aren't going to get to experience live wild cheetah scat until we've already been working with something that's been in the freezer or been desiccated or a get sent tube or something. So have you had people use that where, where they start with get sent tubes from day one? Uh, Most of the time our users, they use get sent tubes for imprinting the the dog Uh on the new order because Uh most of the time you don't have access to the order. But uh, imagine for COVID-19, 
they mm-hmm. didn't have access to the odor. So because it was uh, considered like dangerous and, and uh, they collected odors uh, in hospital uh, mm-hmm. and uh, in also in some like we call, we call P4 labs and so on. So mm-hmm. it was so restricted. So, but they used the get and tube to imprint the dog on this new odor, for example. And, but oh. most, most of the time, even, you know, with, uh, what I, I can say like uh, standard odors, like narcotics, like explosives, uh, they use a uh, get and tube to, to, to imprint a dog on, on these new odors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. And again, it's like in conservation, we're already so used to having to deal with these, these frustrating workarounds of again, something frozen and dehydrated or dehydrated, you know, one of the two, sometimes both, or we're working with zoo samples, which also don't quite um, mimic live wi- or wild samples perfectly. Um, so it's, it seems to me like, based on what you're saying, it would probably be better to use the get sent tubes with the target that you really actually want the dog to find versus having to deal with dehydrated frozen zoo samples because that's what you're able to get a perfect. Yeah, this for. might I mean, uh, change the odor profile. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, that's kind of our understanding is that it tends to. Um, and, you know, it also could just be a tool that's a component along with everything else. Maybe you do want to use all three. That uh, that doesn't seem like a bad idea. Um um, and then I've got a question from a colleague, um, Natalie, who kind of asks how, and we, we can go as detailed or not into this as you want, because I know a lot of it is likely to go over my head, is if you were to run the tubes on a mass spectrometer, how do you actually do that? And how do you kind of, how do you deal with the saturation of odor with the mass spec? And um, how does it degrade? Um, so, just for your information, we are doing yeah. everyday uh, mass spec analysis. So it's yeah. quite, uh, it's, uh, you know, our machine is full every day. So we are running uh, a lot of analysis. And what we use, we use our internal method that we have developed uh, to analyze uh, get and tubes. And this method uh, will be available soon on our website for everyone. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, if someone wants the method, we, we can share it. Uh, there is uh, no issue with that. Um, mm-hmm. So... We use, if, if I need to explain all the concept of mass spec, I, have, yeah. I, I will spend uh, another podcast with you. But, uh, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we have, a, we have a, um, a specific method to analyze it. Um, but, you know, because it's really, I would say, the mass spec, you, you, you put a needle uh, in a, a vial, you extract the odor, and you put it in the machine. And the machine okay. will tell you uh, what is inside. So it's uh, the, the principle. Um, but yeah, after we can we can go in details. But I don't think it makes <laughs> yeah. sense in, in this podcast. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's probably enough for us. Is if if people are really interested, you're working on getting a lot of that stuff published. And you know, then if you do have access to a mass spec and you do have these questions and you have enough understanding, then you can go ahead and read it. But. Yeah. Now, we just ran uh, a few weeks ago um, uh, a lot of analysis for um, a research institute in, in Europe uh, to compare uh, a plant with a disease and a plant without a disease. So we knew, uh, we, we, we didn't know at the beginning which one was with the disease and, and the other one without, and we checked. So we compared three tubes analyzed with the mass spec with uh-huh. a disease and without, and you, we checked the differences. 
So, okay. and, and you can see the differences because there is different molecules. Most sometimes it's, you have more molecules or more intense uh, in terms of concentration and less. So, and you can see clearly the difference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great to know. And yeah, it, it's always, it's always a question and it's always a challenge for us to figure out exactly what the dogs are sniffing and exactly. Um, so in, you know, in your case, we, the b b best uh, scenario is to, to do a comparison between, uh, you know, when you have, when you think you have the odor and on the other one, when you don't have, and you compare. And if you see mm -hmm. differences, it means that there is something. Um, in terms of saturation, because you mentioned, mentioned before the saturation, uh, for us, it's, um, you know, it's really difficult in the standard condition uh, to saturate the tube. Uh, you, you, you see the tubes, it's around uh, one gram, and you can absorb four times uh, the weight of the tube. So it means it's, it's huge. And, uh, you know, with VOC, it's really difficult to, to, to reach this level. Uh, you can do it with specific liquid, but not uh, necessarily with, uh, with gas and and VOC. So it's why, um, you know, when you do the GCMS analysis, and if you use what we call SPME mode, uh, most of the time the saturation that you can notice on the machine doesn't come from the gate center, but it comes from the machine itself. But because you, you saturate the fiber, which collects the molecules to put it on the machine. Okay, that, yeah, that helps me understand a lot that, um, yeah, just... I know, like, gosh, I remember this back from when I was in, like, my undergraduate organic chemistry class, just the amount of contamination that you need to be worried about in the lab. And, you know, with my very minimal experience with a GCMS, um, what that can look like. So that's such a good point. And, um, yeah, hopefully helps make anyone else who's, you know, looking at this from more of an understanding of the molecular chemistry um, you know, hopefully it helps make sense to them. And if, uh, you know, again, if they've got further questions, like I'm just not going to be the person to ask you that anyway, um, but you make it really easy to, to reach out to you. So, um, yeah, you, you, you can also come in Switzerland in our lab. Everything is open. You can visit. Okay. I will explain on, on the, on the, in the lab, how it works, you know? You are all welcome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And Switzerland I mean, is a very nice country, you know. So I was just going to say, honestly, uh, I'm I'm looking at visas next next week. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, and you know that also makes sense. You know, one of the things that you, also you and I have talked about a little bit online is there's a little bit of suspicion, and you know, one of the things I was really concerned about with not concerned about, but really wanted to make sure I did well with this this episode was making sure we weren't just doing a free ad for Get Sent, but um, you know, also realistically, I think if you were in this trying to get rich quick, you'd probably be working in NFTs or crypto, not with. <laughs> not with detection dog handlers. So um, while this technology is really exciting and something that we're all really grateful for and excited to see improving, um, it doesn't make sense to me um, to really be hyper skeptical of the idea that you're just in this for the money. Because if you were, I mean, I would, I, I think you haven't done enough market research on <laughs> the amount of free cash that detection dog handlers have to throw around. <laughs> Um, like I, I really hope your company succeeds, no, but like I don't no, think you're going to you know, be a self-made billionaire doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know we we developed this one because you know we are you, when we have an, we are inventors. 
when we have an uh-huh. ID, we want to put it on the market and we want v- this ID to be uh, used uh, by ev- by everyone. And, you know, it's, it's clear we didn't uh, do it for the money, as you said. Uh, yeah. We are not in the crypto, crypto business. We are in the detection business. Uh, yeah. So it's super interesting for us. You know, it's as we learn every day, this is important. It's important for us as well. So, you know, it's part of, so, of what you want in your life. So... And for us, it's, it's great. Even if you are not uh, by millionaire or billionaire, we are happy with, with, about what we are doing. So yeah, yeah. It's I mean, I think we, are not tra- we are not trying to oversell <laughs> the product. You know, sometimes you, you yeah. get maybe people feel that way, but it's, it's not. Yeah, I mean, and I think us as detection dog handlers can understand that because when we're out here bragging about our dogs, again, it's not because we're expecting. I do not expect canine conservationists to make me a young millionaire or an old millionaire or any sort of millionaire. <laughs> like, I'm hoping to be able to retire. Like that's the goal that we're setting here. Um, yeah. So I think we're, a lot of us are in the same position as much as we want to brag about our dogs and be excited about what they can do and talk about, you know, some of the incredible achievements that they have. We're not doing it because we're expecting a huge financial payoff. You know, maybe we do hope to get some clients out of that, but it's, you know, there's not really, if you wanted to lie and get rich quick, neither you nor I is, I think, in the right field to make that happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Anything I forgot to ask you? Anything you wanted to circle back to? No, I think it's, uh, I'm all good. Everything is right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know it's been a little bit of a, a saga trying to get this episode recorded, but I'm really excited to get it out and get it publicized. And um, if people have questions, I um, you're pretty easy to find online, but you want to tell people where they can find you online and ask any further questions about what we've talked about? Yeah, well, they can use our website. It's the best way to, to contact us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also available on social media like uh, Instagram, Facebook. So it's also a good way. So, and, um, and maybe uh, when you will publish the episode, you, you can share my email, my personal email address. Absolutely. Would be, I'd be more than happy to, to answer the, all the questions. Great. Yeah, I'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes. I know you guys have been pretty active on, I'm seeing you all the time on Instagram and LinkedIn and all over the place. So I'll, I'll drop all of those links into the show notes. And if anyone's got more questions, um, definitely feel free to. I'm always happy to talk about my firsthand experience with the tubes. I've used them with several dogs and several target odors at this point. Um, but if you've got more of the chemistry questions, don't ask me, ask Greg. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, so for everyone else at home, thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a lot and you're feeling inspired to get outside and be a canine conservationist in whatever way suits your passions and your skill set. You can find show notes, donate to canine conservationists, pick up some sweet merch, and or join our Patreon over at canineconservationists.org. Until next time. Bye.